Welcome to Florida Health Radio, a podcast designed to connect you with the best healthcare providers in the Florida community, hear their stories, how they're helping their communities. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome to Florida Health Radio. My name is Dr. Josh Simons. I'll be your host today. I have a great guest with me. Her name is Dr. Marcella Radojevic. Yes. Or Dr. Rad for short. She is an orthodontist and she owns Ion Orthodontics in Port St. Lucie. And it opened not too long ago, right? Like yep. November? November of 2018, exactly. Almost a year ago. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So real recent, I got to tell you, uh, I don't, I'm not videoing the place, but it looks immaculate. It's really mm-hmm. modern, great colors. Uh, it's really great to, to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm a big podcast enthusiast, so I'm excited to finally be a guest on a podcast, especially yes. one that's geared towards health related issues and professionals and really getting information from the source because a lot of people these days go to Google and and obviously internet is not always the most reliable source of information. Do you get a lot of that? In, in here, do you get people that come in and they do, they, they become the, the Google dentists? Um, and <laughs> I mean, within reason, I think that more so I get one of the most popular questions I get as an orthodontist from a parent is, does my child need braces? And then we go into that whole rabbit right. hole. <laughs> okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you have questions lined up, but I would say one of the common misconceptions within orthodontics is it, it's purely aesthetics. I mm-hmm. think the majority of people come to the orthodontist because they want to look better or they want to fix their teeth, maybe the position of their teeth. Um, it, it tends to be more aesthetic driven, but I kind of see that as more of like a perk of orthodontics. It's like, yes, wonderful. We give you a beautiful smile, but at the end of the day, we're giving you a healthy bite and and your teeth are going to be in a position where they're going to be more stable for you to have your teeth longer for the rest of your life. Yeah, so there's a lot of health benefits to it. Exactly. The, the aesthetic is just that. Is the, the cherry on top. Exactly. exactly. And what led you to orthodontics? Um, my story is kind of interesting because there's no dentist in my family. My father was an ophthalmologist, so I was definitely like in the, in the health field. And I grew up actually going to his office next door to where my practice is. He used to practice next door. And um, he saw a little bit of the more geriatric, older population. And I kind of realized while working in his office that I wanted to work with younger people, mm-hmm. <laughs> not older people. And that was just probably a naive comment or observation on my end. But um, I knew that I wanted to work with younger kids without them being you know, so young that I couldn't work with them. And I had always wanted braces as a kid, and I actually never had braces as a kid. I was told um, at a young adult age, I wanted them so badly because I thought they were so cool, but I never actually got them because my dentist was like, no, you don't really need them. But once I went and decided I wanted to go and pursue orthodontics and become an orthodontist, I realized all of the benefits of having orthodontic treatment, and I decided to just fix my own teeth when I was in school. Really? So, yeah. 
I did Invisalign as an adult. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Put your own braces on. I mean, people do that. People put their own braces on. Yeah. Do that? Sure. Um, There's different ways to put braces on. You can either put them on directly one by one, or you can Uh have it done like indirectly, where basically you put braces on a model and then you transfer those braces onto the patient. So it is possible, but I fixed my own teeth with Invisalign as an adult. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was my whole roundabout story of how I became an orthodontist. I kind of always knew I I wanted to give people like the confidence boost that they wanted and be able to really like make somebody's smile shine. Mm -hmm. And um, again, aesthetic reasons was the reason I got into it. But then when all the health benefits came about, I was like, you know really happy and, and love my profession and the people that I get to work with. At the end of the day, I mean, orthodontics kind of embodies all walks of life. Like it's never too late to straighten your teeth. I've had an 80 something year old woman in Invisalign before. So even though I said I didn't want to work with older populations, I mean, braces and Invisalign, it's never too late as long as you have like a healthy oral hygiene and a healthy smile. So, so if you're older, will you give them this brace as an option or is Invisalign like the new thing to, to get it done? Um, well, here's the thing. Like if you go to maybe an older orthodontist and, and braces is usually the traditional way of getting it done, the population has kind of demanded more and more so that we give them more aesthetic options for straightening their teeth. And so Invisalign has popped up over the past 20 years to be able to offer like an aesthetic approach for that person that never had the chance to straighten their teeth as a child. Um, Invisalign is just kind of like another method of straightening teeth, except the Invisalign method tends to be more of a, it, it relates a lot to the patient being very compliant. So I mm. usually tell patients with braces, it's like a 50-50 partnership. Um, I tighten the braces. I get the movements going in the right direction as long as they're keeping their teeth clean and wearing their elastics and all those things. Then then we have a nice result at the end. But with Invisalign, because it's purely removable and they take it in and out and it slowly puts their teeth into place, if the patient isn't wearing them, then we aren't getting good results. So it really is very heavily compliantly based on the patient. Okay. If that makes sense. That does. Yeah. Um, and then there's even a newer technology <clears throat> out that we're offering in my office, and it's starting to become more, more and more um, known in the orthodontic community called Inbrace, which is hidden braces. So Inbrace is just a type of um, company that offers. There's de- different types of companies that offer hidden braces, but basically these braces go on the inside of the teeth. We have a couple really? patients in our office now, and those are for the patients that know they're not going to be doing a good job of wearing their retainer. They know that they're not going to be taking them in and out every time they want to eat something or drink something. So in-brace is a good way to aesthetically move your teeth without really anyone knowing that you're moving your teeth. Um, it's just kind of like a pick your poison, right? So if you do the traditional brackets, you're more irritating your cheeks and your lips versus with the hidden braces, it's a little bit more irritating to your tongue at the beginning. But the patients that I have an in-brace currently, they love it. Um, it really requires a high, high, high level of hygiene. So you have to be really, really a great brusher, a great flosser in order to get really great results. But um, they love it because maybe they're in front of a TV or they're, you know, singer or whatever, and they don't want to have braces on their teeth and they never got to straighten their teeth as a kid. Is the process 
similar in length as traditional ones or do you wear them longer? Um, no, it's pretty, pretty equivalent. Actually, the movements we've seen with the embrace is really fast. Like I have both of my patients in embrace. They had a gap in between their two front teeth. And within that first month, the gap was completely closed. So, I mean, the movements are pretty quick, but keep in mind, aside from aligning teeth, you also have to wear elastics and that's what makes the, the process so drawn out. Okay. And that's why usually treatments average about a year and a half to two years if this is like your first go around and you've never had braces before. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so I was looking at, you did your, uh, so you did, you went to school in Florida, right? Yes. And then, but you did your, is it a residency? Is that what? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you did that in, was it Denver? Or, yeah. Okay. How was that? Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> I would say as a born, well, I wasn't even, I was born in Canada. Um, I was a little souvenir from Canada. (laughs) My parents lived up there for a while when my dad was in residency training. Mm. And then um, I was raised in Florida pretty much. And I never knew what a season was. I never knew, I mean, what it was like to actually live in snow. Like I was an expert in learning how to evacuate hurricanes. But when it came to like living in other seasons that was really cool to be able to experience and like I recommend it to anyone who is born and raised in Florida like go a few years go live somewhere else I thought it was the coolest experience there's always something to do in Denver you're either hiking or biking or climbing or you know going down rivers or whatever and that was a really cool aspect to go see and then I decided to come back. I think I would have stayed if I had had family over there, <laughs> but my family was here. So it kind of called me back. I, I grew up in the Port St. Lucie area and I always kind of saw it as home. So I decided I wanted to come back here. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I grew up in Virginia and it's odd because it's one of those things where you take or you kind of don't think about what you have when you, when you're living there. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I had seasons, not like Denver, but, um, we would get snow and we had our version of mountains, which were very small in comparison. But regardless, when you come down here and the, the weather is nice as, as far as it being just sunny and warm all the time. Sure. But uh, it's like totally flat. <laughs> and so there's it's one of those things where I didn't notice that when I first moved here. But now that I've been here for about a year, I think, oh, my goodness, you know, having the rolling hills was actually kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's, I agree. I've never actually been to Colorado, but it's on my <laughs> list for sure. I highly recommend it to anyone, especially if you're like an avid skier or just like an outdoor person in general. I didn't realize I was an outdoor person until I moved to Denver because mm-hmm. when you live in Florida, you pretty much want to be inside in, tw- in <laughs> like 24 hours of air conditioning versus once you like leave that environment you grow up in. Um, I, I was really grateful for the experience and I was there for two and a half years. Um, orthodontics, you have to do a specialty, an additional two to three years after dental school. So obviously, you know, the, the whole um, route of going to specialty school, but you do the four years of college and the four years of dental school, and then you go another two to three years. So long time. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of crazy. You kind of miss it when you're in school for so long. (laughs) Did it fly by overall or was it, did it feel like 10 years? Um, I would say it was, it was all in seasons. I mean, when you're in school, that's what you're doing. And you see all of your friends maybe doing cool trips and this and that. But like, I really don't regret it. I think it did flow. It flew by for me. Um, 
I mean, I actually graduated residency at like 27. So I was actually one of the younger ones in my class. So I still had like some time to to go out and experience. I would I don't love the debt that comes with it, but um I I kind of am on the path of like I lo- I love to learn and if I can stay in school longer, <laughs> I I try to. <laughs> but um the great thing about orthodontics is like it's an always changing and always um learning type of career. I'm sure physical therapy is as well and mm-hmm. um there's always some type of course or study club you can join in where you can continue learning and expanding your knowledge base. Right. And so where'd you, did you start this out of school or did you work somewhere else? I worked down in Miami for a while. So I got a really good feeling of um, what it's like to work in a really busy practice, corporate life, Mm -hmm. um, used it to pay the bills and really get, you know, um, all of the skills that I needed to be able to see a high volume of patients in a little ma- amount of time and get really comfortable with my clinical approaches to treatments. Um, and so I waited a few years before deciding to start my own practice. Okay. Yeah. And what, what ultimately like led you to start it? Was there, was there a little switch that said, I need to do this or? Um, I think because I grew up with my father being a business owner and always having his own practice, I saw that as like the end goal always. Um, I don't necessarily feel that school always prepares you to be a a business owner um, in terms of really knowing the numbers of your practice. And it's kind of a whole new world to venture into. But I kind of decided and like the nail on the coffin was really realizing that I wanted the freedom to be able to practice how I want. And if I want to give really high quality results and beautiful smiles, then I don't want to be using really cheap materials because this other business needs to keep their costs low. Like for me, it's it was an investment in in my future practice and for my future patients to really see the value of of a really high, like high technology based practice and um I, I knew that I wanted to practice a certain way and I didn't have that freedom in somebody else's practice. So now that I'm in my own practice, I look forward to the days that I'm here because I get to be able to practice the way that I dictate and I say I want to use these materials and these brackets and these wires and I have the freedom to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I totally resonate with that. I mean, yeah. me starting my business, it's, it's the same thing. It's ha- having... Um, not necessarily the control, but the, the freedom to be able to, to treat how you want. And there's definitely something that immediately amps up your your satisfaction, like you said, and your just enjoyment of life mm-hmm. to, to be able to have that. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm, I think when you're under the control of someone else, I mean, I had the ability to ask for the things that I wanted to be able to deliver the treatment quality that I needed to, but it was always a struggle or it was always a fight to say, I need this or I need that. When can I get this? You know, so um, not having to have to go to like Big Brother and ask for permission and just being able to to do what I want in my own practice and give people what I, I feel is best mm-hmm. for them was like a whole new world open for me. Yeah. Now you just go and get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and where did the where did the name come from? Ion. Um, Ion Orthodontics was inspired. Mostly it took me a few months to come up with a name because I knew I didn't want to name it after myself. I knew that 
in traditional spaces, if you look back on doctors that have opened their practices in the past, um, I just think that before there was a stigma where it was like, you know, you were proud of your name and I am proud of my name, but I also think um, your experience shouldn't be dependent on a person. It should be dependent on what the whole atmosphere is like I want people to feel like the ion experience is the same whether I'm here or whether someone else is here um so it kind of just happened overnight I swear it was like it came to me in a dream I wanted something really simple and clean and I knew um like in the science world ion is like part of an atom Mm -hmm. right and so there's a positive charge or a negative charge Mm -hmm. and you get like really scientific and all um what's that show the big bang theory like you get like all like like nerdy about it and i just thought ion had such a cool name to it and then i started kind of like i'm a very creative person naturally like i'm not very like i'm i'm very um artistic in in my mind and i get really creative and i think of all the possibilities of the branding of how we could use it and so then it just kind of came about is this is what my practice is going to be. And um, there's so many words that end in I-O-N that we were like, we have to use this in every way so that mm-hmm. we're just the most obnoxious people <laughs> to be around while we're my husband, my sisters, my my whole family. Everyone's just like, oh, another I-O-N word. <laughs> it's cool, though. I mean, it's I mean, I look around and like I see mission and imagination. You're right. All, all the uh, the ions are kind of highlight that's nice it kind of it's cool brand awareness and uh yeah it's just a neat i mean I, i've never i don't see too many people doing things like that it's just a neat little little extra to have i like it a lot. yeah definitely i think like i said it i didn't want it to be tied to just me i wanted it to be a place where people like our patients love it they have so much fun with it we went and did a school presentation last week over at morningside academy with the fourth graders and they loved it i had them clap every time they heard an ion word that i <laughs> would talk about so i was i went down and i was like i'm gonna do a demonstration and i was like yeah like it right. was it, we have a lot of fun with it. And I think that's like the whole thing behind our practice is we just want to show people that orthodontics can be fun. Um, I think a lot of orthodontists in our area do a really good job of doing that. But mm-hmm. this is just our way of doing it. You know, yeah, that's neat. Yeah. I want to get back to a little bit about what uh, what you're what you do. And so are there things that you do as an orthodontist that maybe people aren't quite of, uh, as aware of? I think there's a lot that we do that people are not aware of. Like I said, I think the common misconception with people is they think that it's just to help straighten teeth and like, you know, and I think it's great that you do a podcast to be able to connect other professionals because a lot of what I do overlaps even with what you do Mm -hmm. or what a chiropractor might do or even an ENT or a pediatrician, you know, um, I, one of my things is all about prevention. Like I really feel really strongly that people should be seen around the age of seven, according to the American Association of Orthodontists, just to make sure that teeth are coming in properly. But not only that, our population of people is now kind of starting to guide more towards like an, a mouth breathing type mm. of thing. I don't know what it is, but Um, Like our ancestors didn't need braces. They had beautifully aligned arches. They breathed through their nose. They had the proper amount of teeth. Like they, I would not have had a job back then, you know, but our jaws are very slowly getting more narrow and smaller. We're starting to like the shape and the size of our teeth and the quantity of our teeth are actually decreasing in size. Like I was born without 
forming one of my wisdom teeth. Like we're very slowly evolving to eliminate some of the teeth that we don't need anymore. Most people get their wisdom teeth removed these days because they just don't fit. And so because we have so many people, like even at a young age, breastfeeding, you know, it's a huge part of what leads to orthodontics. It's when you're teaching a child to swallow, to feed, um, to breathe properly. And not everyone can do it, unfortunately, or do it as long as it should be recommended. And Mm so um, we're kind of finding patients that are, are sucking their thumb. They're molding their jaw to be more narrow. And then they end up having issues with snoring, with grinding their teeth at night. So like, I'm very passionate about the fact that There are things that can be done early on um, to help kind of guide the jaws and the growth, because by the time they get to me, it's kind of too late and I have to fix it, you know, and I have to try to make space for teeth that are too crowded. And and people are like, oh, do I, you know, do I need braces? I'm like, well, it's going to help you keep your teeth clean if your teeth are straight. I mean, that's going to be one huge benefit. Um, But sometimes I don't get these patients until they're in their 30s. And I say, well, if I had seen you at 10, I would have been able to expand your jaws. I would have been able to use these other things to help modify your growth. And now I have to take out teeth on you, you know, and those are teeth that you probably we might have been able to figure out how to to if I had helped you with your growth, get them and squeeze them in type of thing. Um, And there's so many different philosophies on how to treat patients. I mean, if you talk to 100 orthodontists in one room, we will all come up with a different way of doing something. So even the way that we're trained is very different. Um, I know that I, when I was being trained in Denver, we had, let's say, at least 10 faculty and they all had different treatment philosophies. And the great thing about that is you learn from each one what you like and what you don't like. And then you you take from that and you form your own philosophy. And you base it off of the research that you have and the articles and this and that. But even that is still very limited. So um, I think orthodontics in general is evolving a lot. And a lot of moms sometimes come to my practice and they look at me and they say, oh, you're so young. Like, there's no way you know what you're doing. Or like, I don't know if I trust you versus this other guy who's ha- who's been doing it for 30 years. But the thing is, is like, there's there's also good to that. There's the, the fact that we are up to speed with younger, with, with newer technologies. Maybe I have a different way of looking at things that allows me to be able to try it this way instead of the way it's always been done. You know, so um, that's kind of my whole approach to that. But it just you just opened up a Pandora's box, basically. (laughs) Well, it's interesting you say that because that is one of the things that I hear a lot being young is people will instinctively trust people who are older, way older than I am. And not just for my profession, but all sorts of professions. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, like, you can have someone who is two years out who really challenges themselves to, to, to get themselves on a, on a higher level of thinking and really pouring through the research and figuring out, you know, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to do that? Or you can have a 30-year-old who may be in the field, obviously, for a long time, but if they're still doing the same mediocre practices, mm-hmm. should you really trust them as much? And I think that's just kind of a maybe a fallacy in some of the people's thinking that age really isn't the the limiting factor. It's your your ambition to to rise above and to get better at what you do. Sure. 
I don't want to say or put down those of us or those that have been out and experienced for a while. And and there's definitely great things about that. But I also think that um, when you're practicing for a certain amount of time, you tend to find the route that is the easiest for you to have the less stress versus like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm way more ambitious to go try and and get a tooth to come in that maybe somebody else would say, oh, I'm, I'm going to take that out. That's going to take way too long or, you know, this and that. So I think we all have different philosophies of treating and ways that we want to treat. Um, my, my perspective is what would I want done to my mouth mm-hmm. or to my child's mouth? And if I would attempt to, or if I would want to try to not remove teeth or try to do this, then I think it's worth a shot. Let's go for it. Like I prefer my communication with my patients to be two ways so that they can go ahead and also voice what is important to them. You know, maybe I see like this little crossbite over here or, or this overbite over there, but their concern is like my two front teeth stick out or there's a really big gap. If I don't listen to what their concern is, I mean, it's not a success at the end of the day if I don't fix what they're what they're wanting to be fixed, you know? That's true. So, and some people even want their gaps at the end. I tell people, if you want to keep this front gap because it's a family feature or whatever, <laughs> you're going to have to tell me at every single appointment because every time I see a gap, I want to close it, you know? Does so People come in and Oh, yeah. Have, yeah? People ask more than you would realize. The conflict oh. is when the parent wants them to keep the gap, but the child wants to get rid mm. of it. <laughs> That's where you get a little bit of conflict. Is that the reason they want to keep it? It's like some sort of a family... Yeah, I mean, different cultures even. Like, I know that in, like, Africa, they they see a gap as beautiful. You know, that's a really highly aesthetic thing for them. So it it depends on where you come from and and what your perception of beauty is. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Perception ends in (laughs) I-O-N. See what I did there. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but so how much of, let's say someone comes in for the first time and they want to get their teeth aligned and straightened out, and how much of it, of orthodontic work, is like an exact science and how much of it is an art? Oof. That's a really, like, I think it depends on the day you ask me that question <laughs> because, okay. I mean, I think art is a huge part of it because mm-hmm. it really does depend like so much of what we do is based on human like human I want I don't want to say error but essentially like if I put a bracket on and the, the wires express themselves and at the end of the day your your brackets and your wires are straight but your teeth are not straight you have to be able to really fine tune and hone in on the details like for me I think the hardest part of orthodontics is the details because you want everything to look as perfect as possible, but you're dealing with teeth that aren't always the same shape and size. You're dealing with a patient who isn't always helping you at the end of the day. Um, A huge part of orthodontics is a partnership and you need the patient's cooperation to wear the rubber bands to keep their teeth clean. If they're not keeping their teeth clean, you could stain their teeth or damage their teeth. Mm. And then you take the braces off and their teeth are all stained. So like, you know, you want to make sure that you're at the end of the day, like, I think orthodontics is all about delivering the best um, quality of treatment with what you have to work with. Some patients are going to work with you and some of them won't. But I think today 
if you talk to me, orthodontics is a huge art, honestly. That's why they say, like, they say a dentist, because I'm technically a dentist first. Dentist is um, is an engineer and an artist. Okay, So, and yeah. the EM, so Oh. is the engineer part and the tist <laughs> is the artist part so it's all it's all a, a balance um i would not really say that a lot of orthodontics i mean a lot of the orthodontics i would say is more i mean you put wires in the teeth should respond that's that's the science behind it mm-hmm. but you want to make sure that it's in healthy bone you want to make sure that all the teeth are responding properly and that's why you know um I don't really feel that things like do-it-yourself orthodontics that you're seeing on all these commercials and and they, they do a great job of marketing themselves. I don't really understand how it is legal or how the, you know, this is something that is going directly to consumers because orthodontics really is such a huge, huge, like you need a professional seeing and monitoring your treatment throughout. Like that is really scary to me. So, yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that. It's funny you brought that up. That was yeah. one of the things I wanted to ask about. Because like, <laughs> I see commercials for that all the time, Smile Direct Club or whatever company. There's a, there's a ton of them now. Like, what do they what do they do? I mean, do they ship you like molds to put your teeth in? And sure, is that I mean, um, they're basically trying to make it convenient to the millennial mm-hmm. and affordable. And I get that. We try to do that as well in our own ways. We try to give convenient and flexible payment plans. Um, They talk about, you know, you never have to go in and see an orthodontist or a dentist even. Like, it's unfortunate that they have made it seem like it's okay to eliminate the professional. Because at the end of the day, like, would you try to fly a plane by yourself? Would you go to... a a general doctor to have a heart surgery or deliver a baby like we're still a very needed thing and they they seem to think that it's okay um that they just give the patient a little thing that says you know i consent to and i understand that i should get a dental exam done and this and that but like every patient that we start here we check with their dentist have they had their cleaning like we do our our part in making sure that we have teeth that are within healthy bone and that we're going to be moving through healthy bone like if you think about it like this is like a huge biological process and they think that you can just stick plastic in there and move teeth around and like nothing's going to get messed up. You know, right. even in orthodontics when an orthodontist is monitoring you, things can get messed up, mm-hmm. you know? And so the fact that y- you only have one last set of teeth after you lose your primary teeth, like you're taking a huge risk in my opinion and you even orthodontists we have to be a little bit careful as to how we discuss and talk about these things because i mean they they send out cease and desist letters or they they bully us into keeping quiet online yeah they keep us they try to keep us quiet so that we aren't you know like shaming them but at the end of the day i do think we have a responsibility to the population to educate and make them aware of the huge risks that they take by 
foregoing a professional and doing this remote treatment or this do-it-yourself right. treatment. You know, um, that's just my two cents. I, I'm i a very big uh, proponent. Like, I believe in going to see a specialist. Like, if I need to, you know, get a mole removed, I'm going to go see my dermatologist. Like, I'm not going to go to, like, to yeah, like, I'm not going to order something online and, like, remove it and hope that it's not cancerous. Like, I just think that, it, it requires a professional to monitor your treatment in person. That's just my, my take on it. Mm-hmm. Do you think there are segments of orthodontics that could be conducted through some sort of a telehealth platform? Or do you feel like it, it, they should probably be in person for the most part? I mean, I, I'm sure there are ways that we could digitally in the future help to make appointments more convenient and have a more remote way of doing teledentistry, so they say. But there are plenty of times I have a patient walk in. I like to take photos in my practice, and I think photos are really telling of the direction of the way treatment is going. And a lot of times I'll look at a photo and I'll go and then I'll look at the mouth and it looks totally different. So I think there will always be limitations to teledentistry and there is still a need to come in and see a professional in person because a lot of times you can miss things that are just in 2D images, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, unless we get to a point where everything is 3D and and, you know, if the day that I can work from home in my pajamas and be like, hey, yeah, let's put a wire there. Like, I mean, sure, it would make my life easier, too. Right, like, yeah. I don't have to come into work. But at the end of the day, I don't feel comfortable treating that way. Yeah. You know, totally. but you never know. That's right. The future is is really crazy. Just to see, I mean, in my practice, we take digital impressions. We don't even do the goopy stuff anymore. Like dental exams and visits have come such a long way. Um, I think one of the great things about my practice, like when I opened it up, I said I wanted to be different and, and really use the fact that I'm young to my advantage. So, like, I'm very active on social media. I know you are, too. And the fact that you have a podcast, like, we we are the millennials of, of the future. And then the, the people that come after us are going to even outdate us as well. Mm-hmm. But, like, I love using social media as a platform, as a way of delivering, like, information that is actually relevant and and is accurate (laughs) and it's not just coming from google like i can sit here so october for us is orthodontic health month and so i'm making it a point every tuesday this month to go on facebook live or an instagram live and educate the public on why you should go see an orthodontist and maybe not a general dentist um a general dentists are great for keeping your teeth clean and this and that but they're spread so thin on so many different procedures like why not go to somebody who is actually a professional at moving teeth, you know, like just different ways that I can help to educate the public. So that way they can make informed decisions. I find that a lot of the patients that come into my practice that are kind of, um, I don't know what age range it is, but I'm finding people are wanting to be educated more. They're wanting mm-hmm. to understand how things are going to work and how things are going to move. And it's like, you know, I like to educate them before they come into the practice so they understand what they're getting and what they're doing and what's expected of them. It's not just something that is like instant gratification that I get. I do all of the work and they don't have to participate at all. 
Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I think social media is really changing the way that we practice. And I'm excited for it. I mean, I had a patient over the weekend even, I know, that contacted us through Instagram about an emergency. Like, this is the way that people are able to contact us. Like, I think it's kind of... In the past, doctors have always had this like barrier where it's like you can't talk to the doctor, Mm -hmm. you know, like you have to get through five people before you talk to the doctor. But now it's getting way better. That's why like my practice is all very open concept. Like you'll find the doctor very easily in here. You know, there's no real barrier. And like, I don't think there should be a barrier if if you need to talk to the doctor about your treatment, like there should be that communication constantly, especially if there's any concerns. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, social media thing is huge. It it creates a very human environment around because people perceive doctors as kind of these kind of stiff people who just treat you and leave, treat you and leave, treat you and leave. So you're right. I think social media is definitely huge as far as giving that that human aspect to it. Yeah. And that, you know, we're just people too. We just want to help people at the same time. That's, exactly. <laughs> and I think when you're seeing all these companies pop up where it is do it yourself and the whole aspect of trying to make it more convenient for the patient, like that's what that's, we have to kind of follow that. Like we have to adjust to that as well. We have to be able to be convenient and accessible as well. Like they know that they can just call the phone or text us or email us or send us a DM or a private Mm -hmm. message. Like there are so many ways to communicate now that if we don't follow suit, then we just get where we become irrelevant. Right. I guess. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. I want to switch gears. Are we talking too much? (laughs) I want to talk about dental health tips. Okay. Okay. This This is, this will be like for me. And then I assume other people will probably get some knowledge out of this too. Yeah. So what I want to know, and there's probably like a lot of things you could say, but if you had to say maybe three foods or beverages that are just like garbage for your for your dental health okay um i'm gonna probably gear it towards beverages okay yeah um soda mountain dew mountain dew is the killer yeah um the acidity levels of it so anything with a lot of sugar um what sugar does is it it gets broken down by bacteria in your mouth. We all know that the mouth is a really dirty place. There's tons of bacteria in there. And what they do is they feed off of sugar. And the byproduct of feeding off of sugar is acid. And that's why our teeth break down and we get cavities. The reason we get cavities is because the hardest layer of of your body is enamel. Enamel is even stronger than bone. Mm -hmm. And the hardest layer on the tooth starts to basically melt away. Like it gets Mm -hmm. eaten away by acid. And so it's not actually bacteria that's eating it away. It's the what they're pooping out or the byproduct right. of what they're eating. And so um, anything with high levels of sugar is essentially going to rot your teeth. So Mountain Dew is one of them. I think you can go online. Um, there's a, There was an article somewhere where they published... Um, some of these sodas were almost equivalent to like battery acid, you know, and imagine that, imagine the acid breaking down your teeth in your mouth and then going down into your stomach acid and making it even more acidic. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would say beverages, sugary beverages are definitely one to stay away from. Um, 
But not only that, I would also say the amount of times that you consume them in a day. Okay. So if you like sit down and enjoy coffee with sugar in it and you have it in one sitting, that's great. And we tell the, the patients that. So like candy is a big no-no in the <laughs> office, obviously, because it's pure right. sugar. Um, so um, if you are going to go trick-or-treating and you bring back a bag of candy home and you are constantly snacking on that bag of candy all day, you're basically taking your mouth and dropping the pH levels several times a day, right? Versus if you just have, this is really horrible, but if you just have all of the candy in one sitting, you're going to have a massive stomach ache, but you'll just drop it once. And then you drink some water to help bring up the pH levels again, and you go back to stable. So um, one of the kind of misconceptions is, oh, I'll eat some candy and I'll go brush my teeth. You basically are lowering your pH levels, and then you're brushing acid all over your teeth. So what you actually want to do is you eat something that lowers your pH levels, let your pH levels come back up. Usually about a half hour to an hour is a good time frame for it to buffer back up, and then you should brush your teeth. Okay. What about if you use like some uh, baking soda toothpaste? Um, baking soda toothpaste is technically better, but still like the saliva, the pH oh, of your right. saliva okay. should be um, brought back up. Okay. I got back you. to neutral. All right. Yeah. So mainly sugary stuff, acidic stuff. So I can have my black coffee in the morning and I'm, I'm good. Oh, go. yeah. All right, good. You I'm might good. have some staining, <laughs> but <laughs> it depends. Like healthy teeth and then there's aesthetic teeth, right? So right. Um, like, for example, if you decided you wanted to whiten your teeth, I usually tell patients that they should, I, do, I call it a white t-shirt diet. You should not okay. eat anything that would stain a white t-shirt for two to three days. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So essentially what happens when you whiten your teeth, you can do it over the counter. You can do it in a dental office. It opens up your pores, and that's why some people get sensitive. So like when you open up the pores of, of your teeth and the layers of your teeth, it comes out and it gets out the extrinsic, like the superficial stains. But your pores are still open for a couple of days before they close back up. Mm. So if you go, you whiten your teeth, you spend the money, and then right the next day you go and drink coffee, you're just putting all of that stain right back into where those pores were. So um, I usually tell people to just stay away from anything that would stain a white t-shirt. So not even beverages, that includes like ketchup, um, barbecue sauce, even like vinaigrettes, like anything that has color to it, hmm. it's just better to stay away from okay. if you're getting your teeth whitened. Yeah, that sounds difficult, but I think it's uh, easy to Yeah, you can to stick to, to cleaner, you know, white things. <laughs> Rice, <Okay>. pastas. <laughs> All right, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll never say no to pasta. Yes, um, so all the are, carbs. What about, like, things that are... Uh, really good for your for your dental health so now opposite side of the spectrum um really good for your dental health that's a really good one um i would say there's a bunch of research coming out recently not recently but in the in the past few years talking about um like even things like sugar-free gum sugar-free gum is not bad for you Mm -hmm. it stimulates your saliva and it and saliva is a good thing Saliva, you want to have a lot of it. In fact, there are certain medications that cause you to have dry mouth and they cause you to not produce as much as saliva. And saliva is a cleansing thing inside of your mouth. So if you don't have the saliva that you need to cleanse your mouth, then you are going to be more prone to cavities. Um, 
So I would say like there's some gum now out there that has xylitol in it. Xylitol is like a, a sugar alcohol and mm. actually helps to prevent cavities. Really? Yeah. So xylitol is a really good like xylitol gum. Um, I, I've looked it up on Amazon. I'm not even sure where you can get it, like in local stores. But xylitol gum is great for helping prevent cavities. Um, in general, anything that is going to mechanically stimulate your bacteria to come off of your teeth. Okay. Um, so you can think like, I mean, this is kind of stretching it now okay. because, you know, but like if you think about it, um, if you have a pet, do you, and maybe you don't mm. regularly brush their teeth. Mm. They have these dental treats, right? And like for dogs oh, or cats, okay. um, they chew on these dental treats. And the reason that they're called dental treats is because they're rough, that they helps to clean off the surface of their teeth. So um, something that would help to mechanically remove. So they right. say that if you had a, ch a choice between toothbrush and toothpaste, toothbrush is always better. Like if you brush like your teeth anything. without anything, uh, it's okay. better. It's like, you know, this is gross, but like cleaning a toilet bowl. Yeah. Like if you just put the cleaning solution in there, it'll get it kind of clean. Mm -hmm. But if you go in and actually go in with a brush, you see that you're cleaning it much better. You okay. know, so it's the mechanical part of it, not so much the 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 vitamins of it. Right. Um, and then just in general, like going to see your dentist and making sure you're getting your cleanings done every six months helps to keep everything controlled. Um, they say that in order to get cavities, you need three things. You need a tooth, you need bacteria, and then um, you need sugar. Okay, so if one of those three things is missing, you don't get cavities. Well, we already have two of the three, right? Yes. There's already teeth and bacteria chilling. Exactly. Right? Okay. So, like, if you don't have teeth, but you have a lot of sugar and you have a lot of bacteria in there, you still don't get cavities because there's no teeth. <laughs> there's or if you have teeth and you have sugar, but there's no bacteria in your mouth, then essentially you're good. Mm -hmm. But when you have all three things present, you're basically creating the environment to get cavities. Okay, I got yeah. you. I want to run by some... So I was looking up dental fads online. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I want to get your opinion on some of them. Sure. Some, a couple of them I've heard of, and then one of them, I'm just like, what the hell is this? So one, oh, of, them, so one of them is called oil pulling. Are you familiar with this? I've heard about it. I can't honestly speak on it because right. I haven't done much research on it. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, they use coconut oil or some type right. of oil to pull. When I looked it up, it was you swish around either coconut oil, which I thought was solid, by the way, or sesame oil okay. for 20 minutes. And it supposedly makes your breath better. But isn't that what mints for? So I, I don't know. I, I looked that up and... I would never suggest doing oil pulling in <laughs> in replacement of brushing your teeth or flossing okay. your teeth. At the end of the day, I mean, do you really want to be doing that for 20 minutes? I don't know how often you have to do it. So again, I can't speak on it right. to debunk it. I don't, I'm sure that, that someone came up with this right. somewhere. It is not recommended in any dental school that I'm aware of. Okay. And if someone knows something else, please let me know. Because from my understanding, that that's not the best way to prevent cavities. Right. I'm not in the field, but it didn't sound 
logical to me, but who's to say? I haven't done the research on it because I haven't found a patient that has told me that they're doing it yet. Right. I didn't even know what it was, but yeah. I looked on multiple websites and this is like a thing that mm-hmm. people are doing. Mm-hmm. The other thing, which I have heard of, but it seems very uh, ironic, I guess, is charcoal toothpaste. Okay. So brushing with, I guess, toothpaste with some sort of charcoal product in there. Yeah. Thoughts on that? Um, I would say it's more damaging than helpful. Okay. Um, it is a fad, and I think it's kind of gross <laughs> because when you see right. it and people yeah. doing it, people do it on Instagram or, you know, all these different platforms, and they're like, wow, my teeth are wetter. I'm like, yeah, your teeth are wider, but it's because the abrasiveness of the charcoal is actually like brushing it very gently. It's a little bit more abrasive from what I, my understanding is than regular toothpaste. Even mm-hmm. regular toothpaste is has a certain level of abrasiveness. Um, so, you know, the abrasiveness of charcoal, it does tend to take off layers of your enamel faster. So I'm very protective of my enamel. I don't do it. Okay. They, the reason, I mean, it does work, but at what cost? You're losing layers of of your enamel at a a faster rate by doing it more often and all the time. (laughs) All right. And then the last one, this one's kind of funny. Okay. popped up. Grills. I don't mean (laughs) cooking grills. I mean grills across your teeth. (laughs) Is that bad? Or can people get away with the Post Malone wearing grills across their teeth? (laughs) maybe if they're properly made okay. I don't know that like if you're going to a mall and getting a grill made and it's like gonna irritate your gums or your teeth in a certain way um, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with them it, like the way that I'm thinking of them is I mean they're just like essentially metal mm-hmm. or like jewels bedazzled and right. all that stuff and then you just put like an inner layer where your teeth fit into it um, as long as it fits properly and you're still keeping your teeth clean, I think it's just like a fashion accessory. Okay. It's like wearing a hat. There's nothing wrong yeah. with wearing a hat Keep as long clean. as it fits right and it's not compressing your brain. There we go. That's my, my two cents okay. on it. <laughs> not as bad as I thought then. Yeah. Not that I wear them. All right. So before I ask the last question, where can people find you online? Um, I know you do a lot of social media, so where, where can yeah. people find you? Um, well, we're pretty... Pretty, um, I was gonna say popular, but we're still growing. Um, we're we're pretty uh, interactive, and we do a lot of engagement on our Instagram and Facebook. And you can find us as Ion Orthodontics. I don't know if we're Ion underscore Orthodontics, and um, usually a lot of people reach out to me through there. People ask me questions all the time. I know we do um, like a trivia question Tuesday where we do we debunk myths or Mm we we ask people their level of trivia like how much they know about teeth and stuff on tuesdays on our instagram stories um or if they want to reach out via email um, my email is doctor spelled out d-o-c-t-o-r rad r-a-d at ionortho.com happy to like talk with other professionals that's one of my main things about when you reached out to me about this whole podcast thing i think it's great to be able to kind of um, interact and work with other professionals that maybe aren't so aware as to how we are actually pretty intertwined. You know, mm-hmm. like the other day I, I met up with a pediatrician um, and this was in a totally non-dental event. This was at, you know, just a total like out 
in a in a scene where it wasn't even talking about dental or pediatrics or anything. And I, I asked her, I was like, what is your point of view on tongue ties? Okay, so like when your tongue is tied down as a child or as a baby and like you can't really feed as well. And actually a huge population that I see walks in here, their tongue is like almost tied down. Like they can't really like the mobility and the flexibility of their tongue isn't like a normal person because their tongue is still tied down. Um, and so I asked her, I was like, what is the APD saying for this? And she said, well, they used to recommend it all the time, but now they're saying it's really not necessary unless there's a feeding issue. Like when they're first born or like premature babies, their tongue is still tied down. Sometimes they have to go through a procedure where they clip the tongue. And, um, I know it sounds really scary, but the benefits are huge. Um, if they, release the tongue. The tongue has the mobility to help shape and mold the palate and all this stuff. And so I was talking to her about that. I was like, you understand, like I see patients with tongue ties all the time and it's actually limiting them from like molding and growing their jaws properly. And sometimes it leads to a lot of relapse in orthodontics. So when people get the braces off and their teeth start to shift, it has to do a lot with their tongue pressure. And because their tongue is tied down, if we don't fix that early, then I kind of just went down this whole spiel with her and she's like, wow, like, I don't know why we don't like, like, why don't they communicate or talk with each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, granted, like these are really big entities, the AO, the APD, and I'm sure that there, there are some links that maybe I'm not even aware of, but, um, I just think it's interesting to be able to collaborate with local professionals and be able to really come to like, you know, everyone intermingle and understand how each and everyone's processes work with also knowing you're a specialist at this and physical therapy. And, you know, I'll come to you whenever I have a question about why my back is hurting at the end of the day or why my neck is kinked after driving all this time. Um, sorry, I went down a whole nother tangent again, but yes, uh, email or send me a DM or Facebook. I'm also on TikTok. That's a new thing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I don't even, I'm not even sure what that is. What do you do? On you basically just make videos. Oh, okay. <laughs> like almost like music videos. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's right. pretty fun. We we out. only did it we got into it because um you know there there's a few other orthodontists starting to get into it and okay. I think it's a really cool way of expressing yourself and and the population that we treat they love it they're always they're on, on it so I was like I gotta get on there and start making my own videos there you go yeah that's a good way to connect exactly <laughs> yeah and then last thing deep question what is the impact you want to have on the community around you oh okay that is a deep question <laughs> um I think overall, just knowing that when people come to my office, they can expect like a really high standard. I I know I hold myself to a really high standard with my treatments. And not only that, I mean, we're working with uh, oftentimes kids, adolescents, but even adults sometimes that are going through, I mean, orthodontics, the beauty of it is it is a long-term commitment in the sense that I get to see and grow and, and watch these patients like flourish basically i get to see people that had no confidence go and turn into this whole new person where they all of a sudden become involved in theatrics or they gain this level of confidence that i get to be a part of that journey for them and 
you know, I don't want to just be the doctor that comes in with my white coat and is like, mm. okay, see you later. You know, I think it's really important to be able to build relationships and be known in the community as somebody that is involved, that wants to give back, that, you know, I get to be responsible for a bunch of beautiful smiles made here in Port St. Lucie. And, um, you know, I think for me, that's really important in my legacy is being able to give, you know, treatment that maybe people think isn't reachable or is un- it's not affordable for them and give it to them in a flexible way where we help to work with them and, and give them at the end the ultimate goal of, I know for me, that was always something that was really important is I was told I didn't need braces, but when I, when I did in, in fact fix my teeth and I put I, I got my smile that I got to smile with confidence. Like it really completely changes you. So I think it's important to have the ability to give that to people as well as be a part of that journey with them. That's awesome. I love that. Good answer. <laughs> Thank right, you. I'll definitely check out Dr. Rad. She's awesome. She's rad. Oh, that was such a pun. And <laughs> so, and you do the live videos when? We're doing live videos every Tuesday this every month Tuesday. in the month of October. We we've done we do occasional live videos in Instagram and Facebook just randomly throughout the year as well. Again, just trying to educate the public, but we're doing them every Tuesday around noon um, and we bounce around. We'll do it on Instagram live or Facebook live, depending on where we get more engagement. And again, just trying to help educate the population. I think now this generation of ours is leaning so much more towards video. People want to like go to YouTube for a tutorial instead of having to read something, you Mm -hmm. know, so people want to be able to educate themselves in video format. And that's what we're here to do. All right. Awesome. Well, it was great having you on here. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in to this episode of Florida Health Radio. You can follow our radio show on all major podcasting platforms. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Florida Health Radio. And if you like what you're listening to, you can like the Facebook page, Florida Health Radio. Thank you again for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next time.